the final dream. A further dream came to confirm irrevocably the insights Henry had gained. After some unimportant short dreams that concerned his everyday life, the last dream, the 50th in the series, appeared with all the wealth of symbols that characterizes the so-called great dreams. Four of us form a friendly group, and we have the following experiences. Evening. We are sitting at a long, raw lumber table and drinking out of each of three different vessels. From a liquor glass, a clear yellow sweet liquor, from a wine glass, dark red Campari, from a large classically shaped vessel, tea. In addition to us, there is also a girl of reserved, delicate nature. She pours her liquor into the tea. Night. We have returned from a big drinking bout. One of us is the President de la République Française. We are in his palace. Walking out on, onto the balcony, we perceive he, him beneath us in the snowy street as he, in his drunken condition, urinates against a mound of snow. His bladder content seems to be inexhaustible. Now he even runs after an old spinster who carries in her arms a child wrapped in a brown blanket. He sprays the child with his urine. The, the spinster feels the moisture but ascribes it to the child. She hurries away with long steps. Morning. Through the street, which glistens in the winter sun, goes a negro, a gorgeous figure, completely naked. He walks towards the east, towards Bern, that is the Swiss capital. We are in French Switzerland. We decide to go to pay him a visit. Noon. After a long automobile trip through a lonely, snowy region, we come to a city and into a dark house where the negro is said to have put up. We are very much afraid that he might be frozen to death. However, his servant, who is just as dark, receives us. Negro and servant are mute. We look into the rucksacks we have brought with us to see what each could give the negro as a gift. It must be some sort of object characteristic of civilization. I am the first to make up any to make up my mind and I take the package of matches from the floor and offer it to the Negro with deference. After all have presented their gifts, we join with the Negro in a happy feast, a joyous revel. Even at first glance, the dream with its four parts makes an unusual impression. It encompasses a whole day and moves towards the right, in the direction of growing consciousness. The movement starts with the evening, goes into the night and ends at noon when the sun is at its zenith. Thus the cycle of the day appears as a totality pattern. In this dream the four friends seem to symbolize the unfolding masculinity of Henry's psyche and their progress through the four acts of the dream has a geometric pattern that reminds one of the essential construction of the mandala. As they first came from the east then from the west, moving on towards the capital of Switzerland, the center, they seem to describe a pattern that tries to unite the opposites in the center. And this point is underlined by the movement in time, the descent into the night of the unconsciousness. Following the sun's circuit, which is followed by an ascent to the bright zenith of consciousness, the dream begins in the evening, a time when the threshold of the consciousness is lowered, 
and the impulses and images of the unconscious can pass across it. In such a condition, when the feminine side of man is most easily evoked, it is natural to find that a female figure joins the four friends. She is the anima figure that belongs to them all, reserved and delicate, reminding Henry of his sister, and connects them all to each other. On the table stand three vessels of different character, which by their concave form accentuate the receptiveness that is symbolic of the feminine. The fact that these vessels are used by all present, present indicates a mutual and close relatedness among them. The vessels differ in form, liquor glass, wine glass and the classically formed container, and in the color of their contents, the opposites into which these fluids divide, sweet and bitter, red and yellow, intoxicating and sobering, are all intermingled through being consumed by each of the five persons present who sink into an unconscious communion. The girl seems to be secret agent, the secret agent, the catalyst who precipitates events, for it is the role of the anima to lead a man into his unconscious and thus to force him to deeper recollection and increased consciousness. It is almost as though, with a mixing of liquor and tea, the party will approach its climax. The second part of the dream tells us more of the happenings of this, this night. The four friends suddenly find themselves in Paris, which, for the Swiss, represents the town of sensuality, of uninhibited joy and love. Here a certain differentiation of the four takes place, especially between the ego in the dream, which is to a great extent identified with a leading thinking function, and the President de la République, who represents the un undeveloped and unconscious feeling function. The ego, Henry and two friends, who may be considered as representing his semi-conscious functions, looks down from the heights of a balcony on the President, whose characteristics are exactly what one would expect to find in the undifferentiated side of his psyche. He is unable and has abandoned himself to his instincts. He urinates on the street in a drunken state. He is unconscious of himself like a person outside civilization, following only his natural animal urges. Thus the president symbolizes the great contrast to the consciously accepted standards of a good middle-class middle Swiss scientist. Only in the darkest night of the unconscious could this side of Henry reveal itself. However, the president figure also has a very positive aspect. His urine, which could be the symbol of a stream of psychic libido, seems inexhaustible. It gives evidence of abundance of creative and vital strength. Primitives, for instance, regard everything coming from the body hair, excrement, urine or saliva as creative, as having magical powers. This unpleasant president image, therefore, could also be a sign of the power and plenty that often adheres to the shadow side of the ego. Not only does he urinate without embarrassment, but he runs after an old woman who is holding a child. This old spinster is, in a way, the opposite of compliment or compliment of the shy, fragile anima of the first part the dream. She is still a virgin, even though old and seemingly a mother. In fact, Henry associated her to the archetypal image of Mary with the child Jesus, 
but the fact that the baby is wrapped in a brown earth-colored blanket makes it seem to be the chthonic earth-bound counter-image of the savior rather than a heavenly child. The president, who sprinkles the child with his urine, seems to perform a travesty of baptism. If we take the child as a symbol of uh, potentiality within Henry that is still in infantile, then it could receive strength through this ritual. But the dream says nothing more. The woman hurries away with the child. This scene makes the turning point of the dream. It is morning again. Everything that was dark, black, primitive and powerful in the last episode has been gathered together and symbolized by a magnificent negro who appears naked, real and true. Just as darkness and bright morning or hot urine and cold snow are opposite, so now the black man and the white landscape form a sharp antithesis. The four friends now must orient themselves within these new dimensions. Their position has changed. The way that led through Paris has brought them unexpectedly into French Switzerland where Henry's fiancé came from. A transformation has taken place in Henry during the earlier phase, when he was overpowered by unconscious contents of his psyche. Now, for the first time, he can begin to find his way forward from a place that was his fiancée's home, showing that he accepts her psychological background. At the beginning, he went from eastern Switzerland to Paris, from the east to the west where the way leads into darkness, the unconsciousness. He had now made a turn of 180 degrees towards the rising sun and the ever-increasing clarity of consciousness. This way points to the middle of Switzerland to its capital, Bern, and symbolizes Henry's striving towards a center that would unite the opposites within him. A drinking vessel from a ancient Peru in the shape of a woman reflects the feminine symbolism of such containers which occur occurs in Henry's final dream. The Negro is for some people the archetypal image of the dark, primal creature and thus a personification of certain contents of the unconscious. Perhaps this is one reason why the Negro is so often rejected and feared by people of the white race. In him, the white man sees his living counterpart, his hidden dark side brought before his eyes. This is just what most people try to avoid, they want to cut it, cut it off and repress it. White men project onto the Negro the primitive drives, the archaic powers, the uncontrolled instincts that they do not want to admit in themselves, of which they are unconscious, and that they therefore designate as the corresponding qualities of other people. For a young man of Henry's age, the Negro may stand on the one hand for the sum of all dark traits repressed into unconsciousness, on the other hand he may represent the sum of his primitive masculine strength and pot potentialities, his emotional and physical power. That Henry and his friends intend consciously to confront the Negro signifies therefore a decisive step forward on the way to manhood. In the meantime, it has become noon when the sun is at its highest and consciousness has reached its greatest clarity. We might say that Henry's ego has continued to become more and more compact that he has enhanced his capacity consciously to make decisions. It is still winter, which may indicate a lack of feeling and warmth in Henry. 
is psychic landscape is still wintry and apparently intellectually very cold. The four friends are afraid that the naked negro, being accustomed to a warm climate, might be frozen, but their fears turn out to be groundless, for after a long drive through deserted snow-covered country, they stop in a strange city and enter a dark house. This drive in the desolate country is symbolic of the long and wearisome search for self-development. A further complication awaits the four friends here. The negro and his servant are mute, therefore it is not possible to make verbal contact with them. The four friends must seek other means to get in touch with the negro. They cannot use intellectual means, words, but rather a feeling gesture to approach him. They offer him a present as one gives an offering to the gods to win their interest and their affection. And it has to be an object of our civilization belonging to the values of the intellectual white man. Again, a sacrificium intellectus is demanded to win the favor of the Negro, who represents nature and instinct. Henry is the first to make up his mind what to do. This is nature since he is the bearer of the ego, whose proud consciousness or hybris has to be humbled. He picks up a box of matches from the floor and presents it with difference to the Negro. At first glance it might seem absurd that a small object lying on the floor and probably thrown away should be the proper gift, but this was the right choice. Matches are stored and controlled fire, a means by which a flame can be lit and put out at any time. Fire and flame symbolize work and love, feeling and passion. They are qualities of the heart found wherever human beings exist. In giving the Negro such a present, Henry symbolically combines a highly developed civilized product of his conscious ego with the center of his own primitivity and male strength, symbolized by the Negro. In this way, Henry can come into the full possession of his male sides, with which his ego must retain its constant touch from now on. This was the result the six male persons the four friends, the negro and his servant, are now together in a gay spirit at a communal meal. It is clear that here Henry's masculine totality has been rounded out. His ego seems to have found the security it needs to enable him consciously and freely to submit to the greater archetypal personality within himself, which foreshadows the emergence of the self. What happened in the dream? had its parallel also in Henry's waking life. Now he was sure of himself. Deciding quickly, he became serious about his engagement. Exactly nine months after his analysis had begun, he married in a little church of Western Switzerland, and he left the following day with his young wife for Canada to take up an appointment that he had received during the de decisive weeks of his last dreams. Since then, he has been living an active, creative life as the head of a little family and holds an executive position in a great industry. Henry's case reveals, so to speak, an accelerated maturation to an independent and responsible manliness. It represents an initiation into the reality of outer life, a strengthening of the ego and of his masculinity and with this a completion of the first half of the individuation process. The second half, which is the establishment of a right relationship between the ego and the self, still lies ahead of Henry in the second half of his life. 
Not every case runs such a successful and stirring course. And not every case can be handled in a similar way. On the contrary, every case is different. Not only do the young and the old or the man and the woman call for different treatment, so, so does every individual in all these categories. Even the same symbols require different interpretation in each case. I have selected this one because it represents an especially impressive example of the autonomy of the unconscious process and shows by its abundance, abundance of images the untiring symbol-creating power of the psychic background. It proves that the self-regulating action of the psyche, when not disturbed by too much rational explanation or dissection, can support the developmental processes process of the soul. Continuăm data viitoare. Thank you for listening.